Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got a huge, uh, we got a, a plethora of huge stories today. Bottom of the hour, we talk Senate races in Georgia with Haley Barber, uh, the former governor of Mississippi, the former RNC chair, is working with Karl Rove to try to get those two seats and keep those two seats Republican. Jonathan Turley standing by to talk about what's happening with this Hunter Biden investigation that he acknowledged yesterday, as well as the Eric Swalwell compromise situation, as well as the president of the United States and his lawsuit. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We're going to have tens of millions of Americans vaccinated before year end. We're going to have 100 million Americans vaccinated into the first quarter of next year. And then we're going to have any American who desires to have a vaccine vaccinated by the end of second quarter the virus 2021 the virus kills 3000 more americans on wednesday sadly a record but policy is inflicting more economic and emotional damage than covid-19 can i'll explain how americans are showing this time they're ready to fight as vaccine approval is just hours away number 2 the right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about biden and his family too disgusting to even repeat here uh, i mean some of the ones i've seen from the president's son and the president some of the president's supporters are, are just wildly unhinged really now it turns out the story's 100 percent true nothing's unhinged except for the naked crack pictures that that uh, hunter biden had on the laptop that he left at the repair shop that's his problem not mine china the threat Hunter's dirty deals and how Eric Swalwell and other Democrats have been compromised. Now the country might just pay attention to what uh, to what is important. Number one, because it is brought by a state against other states, the original venue for it is the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court has what's called original jurisdiction over disputes between the states. That's the lawfare editor uh, editor and chief. Trump and Texas get some company. 17 states join Texas's legal fight demanding a delay of an investigation as an investigation goes into four states and their election changes in 2020. Yes, it's a long shot. Yes, it would, could overturn the entire election. I'll explain. Joining us, the best in the business, uh, George Washington University law professor, Fox News contributor Jonathan Turley. So, Jonathan, I wanted to talk to you about Texas anyway. I did not know they'd be joined by 17 other states. First off, do you still hold to the fact that this is a Hail Mary uh, attempt for the president? Well, it's more than a Hail Mary. This would be a Hail Mary uh, that's being thrown from a stadium in a different state into the end zone. Really? Uh, it is quite an effort, and it's unlikely to succeed because we have to look at what happened with the Pennsylvania challenge. It's not an identical uh, issue, of course, uh, but. Uh, it seems like the lack of any dissenting justice on the Pennsylvania case, the speed of which, with which it was denied, all suggest that this is not going to succeed. 
Un- unlike a granting of certiorari, uh, which is a normal way to go to the court, which only takes four votes, this takes five votes. So they could lose Chief Justice Roberts, but they would have to get all five of the remaining conservatives even to accept this case. So as a non-law student and proud of it, I'm just going to approach <laughs> you with the advocacy perspective of, of a listener. And I said, well, if we agree there are irregularities in all these four states, and I think we agree there were from Pennsylvania to uh, – I got the four states here – Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, and Georgia. If we agree to that, and this state is offended by it because they're in a national election, and they say these states messed up and prevented us from having a true vote or nullified our votes in this election, why can't a state – see some irregularities, and bring a lawsuit against another state because it affects them. You know there's irregularities in those four states, right? Right. And there are irregularities, and there have been unlawful orders that have been confirmed. Uh, There have been votes that were not counted. In the Pennsylvania case, the judge said that he thought that the voters made um, a valid claim that their votes should have been counted. But he said, I still don't see why... I shouldn't just count your votes as opposed to negating the votes of everyone else. And so the relief has been a problem here of of this type of sweeping remedy of blocking certification. But this has also never been done uh, to have one state effectively litigate the failure of another state to apply its own laws. And the problem here is that the Supreme Court has long given great deference to state courts in the interpretation of their own constitution and laws. And these challenges have been rejected by the highest courts in each of those states. So there is a lot of baggage here uh, that is weighing down uh, this type of claim. It is This would be an extraordinary uh, form of relief, but it's also being requested in an unprecedented type of action. And that's not a good combination. True. Do you think the the other problem, by the way, is well, the other problem, by the way, is that some of the courts have really slammed these challenges under what's called latches which is just a fancy way of saying you waited too long. So some of these courts have said, well, why are you coming to us now uh, to raise these issues uh, when you could have done this before anyone voted? Now, to some extent, you know, you can come back and say, well, we now have evidence a lot of problems happen. Uh, But these courts have said, well, but you knew that the rules had been changed and there was only limited at most litigation before the election. And so they're using that also as a reason to show them the door. So do you think they're prepared to rule in a way in which is going to be before the 14th, where they're supposed to lock in all the electoral votes? I think that they could rule pretty quickly. What happened in Pennsylvania is that uh, Justice Alito demanded an answer from the state But then they dismissed that appeal like 40 minutes later, which is a rocket docket for the Supreme Court. Uh, So we could see something like that. All right. Here's what Reince Priebus said when it comes to Wisconsin last night. Cut three. It's funny because in the footnote, the Wisconsin Election Commission issues some guidance to its clerks of how to conduct the election. And in that guidance, it said, you know, do A, B, and C. But then there's a footnote. It said contra, which means you know, obviously contrary to what we're saying, 
By the way, see this case over here, this appellate case, and this case over here is a case that shows that when a clerk issued absentee ballots without an absentee ballot request form, those ballots were pulled randomly out of the box, it overturned an election in that case, and the result was the other person running for office actually won. It's the exact same fact pattern that the Trump wow. campaign is arguing in their case. So your take on his Wisconsin take, he, he says, I've been upset by the way Wisconsin is running this for a while. Yeah, the thing is, I'm also sympathetic to these arguments. I, I think that there are valid concerns that have been raised about mail-in uh, voting. Uh, the problem is, once again, how you deal with that in terms of relief. There still has not been a showing that enough votes were tampered with or fraudulently tabulated or even erroneously tabulated to change the outcome. For example, the curing of ballots is a, a valid objection that some districts allowed people to cure their ballots, some did not. That really does strike me as a valid claim. But the number of those ballots is far fewer than would really make uh, a difference. And so there's a lot working against them. But I'm very sympathetic. You know, part of the concern I have is I was watching the um, Nevada hearing, and I was a little bit disturbed by the court saying, well, can you tell us wh who got these votes and the specific names of people yeah. who were involved? And, and I was sitting there thinking, well, gosh, if that's the standard, you could never challenge an election because that information is held by the election officials. So, you know, I, I do think that there are some serious problems, not just with the, with the election, but how we review elections in this country. So if I if 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 I am a Republican, if I'm working for the Trump campaign and the, or the RNC and I heard about Pennsylvania changing these rules, Nevada saying unsolicited mail in votes, that's going to happen. I'm, I'm upset about what George is doing in terms of curing ballots or allowing signature match the lenient way in which they're doing it. Did they drop the ball in not examining what all these battleground states were doing? I'm afraid that they did. Uh, you know, there is a danger to waiting too long in the law. Uh, you know, it's like saying that, you know, it, it was outrageous they removed that barn door and now the, the horse is gone. Well, what the court says is, why did you come to us when you removed the door? Uh, so these, these courts are saying, well, look, we're right before certification, uh, the ending of the safe harbor period, and you brought these, these new challenges. Why weren't you here six months ago, a year ago, to, to challenge these, these, these changes? Right. And that has been a persuasive argument in at least two of the major challenges where the courts have said, we just won't do this at this stage. You should have done it before. I want to ask you about Hunter Biden. Yesterday, he uh, confirmed that they're investigating him for his taxes. And there's been an investigation, it seems, since 2018. And they talked to Tony Bobulinski for six hours. They have also arrested, um, uh, jailed uh, two of his former business partners. And Hunter said, I take this matter very seriously. I am confident that a professional objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally, appropriately, including the benefit of professional tax advisors. Now, 
not to get too deep into the case, but you know it was on that laptop. You know about the communication. That's not an opinion. You know what Tony Bobulinski put into uh, the mainstream and what he what he told the, the, the FBI as a we don't know for sure. But he went out and said Joe Biden knew about a lot of these transactions. It was dealing with Kazakhstan, uh, Russia, Ukraine and China. They're looking into this. What do you think they're looking for? Well, you know, it, it is an amazing story with a huge media component. You know, I've written probably a dozen columns dealing with Hunter Biden over the last few years. And um, I was criticized, as were you and others, for even discussing Hunter Biden because of this news blackout. People said this was completely fraudulent. Um, it wasn't. I mean, the thing is, this was clearly an, inf- an influence peddling scheme by Hunter Biden, his uncle, the brother of President-elect Biden, uh, and others. And that was abundantly clear. The only question is whether crimes were committed. And what's really dangerous for Hunter Biden here legally is that the laptop talks about a wide array of transactions. And as a lawyer, when I was reading some of those uh, exchanges, I was really taken aback at how uh, at the informality and fluidity of these discussions. You know, they're talking about gifts like a diamond being given to uh, Hunter Biden and millions of dollars in percentages coming from places like China. And as an attorney, I'm thinking, wow, this is a, a nightmare, because if any of this money actually uh, was was moved around with this level of informality, they could be tripping legal wires all over the world. And so when looking at tax fraud, the government looks at those underlying transactions. The whole point is that you received money or valuable um, assets that you did not pay taxes on. So you have to get into the underlying transaction. And now that can be in some cases minor, or it could be a Capone case. So we don't know. But what is clear is that this blackout on the Hunter Biden story uh, um, that is now ending by default um, has been a great disservice to the American people. Literally, only Fox was covering the Hunter Biden story. And this is scary, Jonathan. I don't know if this is necessarily legal, but it's just scary. The fact is, they Twitter froze out the Post story. You were not allowed to forward it. You were not allowed to read it. And they stopped anyone from writing about it. And all the other networks shut it out, not even as an addendum or put into their news cycle. So everyone shut it out. Well, you made a good point this morning on Fox when you said, look what's happening in the Swalwell story with zero coverage uh, by the networks. It's the same cycle. So now that they're being forced to cover Hunter Biden, we have an effective blackout on Swalwell. And I have a, a column up on my blog this morning saying what I find most interesting with that Swalwell blackout is the Bettina case. You know, when when a Russian woman was accused of being a spy yeah. and influencing NRA officials, the media had hundreds of articles on it. Here you've got a member of the House Intelligence Committee who may have had a personal relationship with a Chinese spy who fled back to China. And as you noted this morning, there's zero coverage. How did she get away? Why are you briefing him? Grab her first and then tell him why we grabbed her.
I mean, I know, I know I'm maybe I'm subjected to the after-school specials as a child, but that's usually the way it works. You know, why are we letting the, why are we letting the spy go and briefing the congressman who's ever going to go into forever hold this peace? And now we find out, too, you had, I don't know if you've, you've been following my career uh, very closely, but I also talked to Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> and he said, why was he pushing, why did he, uh, uh, why was he uh, pushing to dissolve this China committee that they put together why was he, he – they put out four or five things that he has done for China's, on China's behalf since he got on the Intelligence Committee. And now you're wondering no, if he's doing total, China's work. There's a total lack of media interest in these subjects. Like, you know, last night I mentioned on Fox, you know, as we bounce between these stories, uh, in Hunter Biden with the Black House there, it was just in October that Senator Wyman and Senator Schumer – Put pressure on the Justice Department not to investigate Hunter Biden. Yeah. And yet now we know, as many of us speculated at the time, that he was under investigation by uh, the federal government. Um, And yet the media is not interested. Could you imagine if two Republican senators had pressured the Justice Department not to investigate Paul Manafort? It It would be bigger than big. There would be nothing else on. They wouldn't have commercials. Um, they would just right. run this all day. Uh, Jonathan Turley, uh, I really wish I had more time. Unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to let you go until we book you again. And you're talking, just so everyone should know, you're talking as a nonpartisan. You're looking at legally and you just you notice the news cycle. You don't have an agenda. You just have an expertise. But thanks so much, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Much appreciated. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, in about a, about a minute, I'm going to be talking to Governor uh, Haley Barber. He's on the ground. Yeah, evidently, the Republicans are asking for 4,000 poll watchers for January 5th for those two Senate runoff elections. Uh, it looks like they have a lot of money. It looks like a lot of celebrities are jumping into Georgia, which is amazing because they condemned Georgia. And they're going to pull out of Georgia because in like Stacey Abrams and how everyone handled that election. Now they're begging Georgia to make a Democrat. So there's a lot at stake there. So we talked to Carl Rove yesterday, Haley Barber today, because we don't want to just give you information. I want to give you inside information. I want to give you the best information. And he is as good as it gets in politics. He's the best Republicans have, him and Karl Rove, and they're working together. So that is the A-team, the balance of power in the Senate. I think it's worth it. Then we'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. I want a little long with Jonathan Turley, but if you heard the segment, you know why. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Look, yeah, the president's been ill-served by his lawyers, with all due respect. I mean, we saw that with Sidney Powell, who alleges a conspiracy that began in, uh, by Hugo Chavez and and uh, the in Venezuela in you know in 2004. I mean, you know, the, 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 and these lawsuits—they're too little, too late. The, the, why wasn't the the Trump campaign legal team out there jumping on these things? As they happen, or better yet, think ahead I know. and and make certain that you get confirmation in in, in front of a judge that that uh, that these procedures are going to be followed to the letter of the law when you have evidence that they haven't been pa- followed in in past elections in say Fulton County or DeKalb County or Cobb County in Georgia. Carl Rove yesterday, as much as he wants Donald Trump to win, working hard for two senators to win in Georgia, he does not like these legal cases. The latest one has Texas filing suit against four separate states for election irregularities, joined by 17 others. 
All of the attorney generals will have lunch at the White House today. But i got to get the take from Haley Barber, as experienced and respected as anyone on the Republican side, former governor of Mississippi, former chairman of the RNC, now helping in Georgia, playing a key role there. She's one of the national co-chairs of the Georgia Battleground Fund. Uh, Governor, welcome back. Well, thank you, Brian. Glad to be back. I had call yesterday. I wanted you to hear that today. Do you agree with that? Is it too little, too late, or are you more optimistic? Well, look. I've been doing this 52 years, and I've seen a lot of election challenges. They're very, very hard to win. Uh, And and I'll tell you why in presidential elections particularly. 2000, Florida was very, very unusual in that it was all about one state. Yep. For President Trump to win in this series of of, uh, challenges – it's, he has to win several states, and in each one of those states, he's got to prove to the satisfaction of the court that there were more illegal votes counted than the difference between the vote he got and the vote Biden got. Right. So it's not just proving there was some some misbehavior. you got to prove that the misbehavior made the difference in the election. And that's it's, it's not easy. I hope he makes it. I, uh, country needs him to make it. I'll just be honest with you. But right now, I'm trying to be focused on something I can do at least a little bit about, and that's the two races in Georgia. All right, so let's talk about uh, that, uh, the two races sure. in Georgia. Today, the, one of the stories is that you guys are asking for 4,000 poll watchers for, is, to watch the entire state. 4,000. Have you figured out how they'd be divvied up? What do you know about this? I haven't been involved in that. I've been involved more in the campaign and the fundraising. I, I was going to tell you today, maybe news for most of your audience, Vice President Pence is going to be campaigning with Senator Perdue today. Wow. Uh, you know, the president campaigned with him on Saturday, campaigned with both of them, actually, Senator Leffler and Senator Perdue. Today, uh, the vice president is going to be in Augusta, at Augusta, Georgia, at 2 o'clock at the airport. Uh, I, I, I did this uh, bus tour with, with Senator Perdue last Saturday. Uh, we did four stops in about four and a half hours going northwest out of uh, Atlanta, as far north as Rome. And I'm telling you, there's energy, enthusiasm, and the idea that these people are not going to vote in this race, in this race because they – think the election was stolen. Well, there may be a bunch of them that think the election was stolen, but boy, we didn't see anybody who wasn't going to vote because they understand that that's, that's the one thing they can do to try to make sure that we don't give Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and uh, AOC and Barney, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, along with Joe Biden, a blank check. So he, that's what they'll he, yeah. have if, if, if they get a tie in the Senate. So right now, uh, you heard what they were chanting on Saturday, uh, fight for Trump. They were telling Purdue and Leffler, fight for Trump. Here's what David Purdue, the, senator, the current senator, said with Shannon last night, Cut 24. It's been four years of nothing but back-to-back-to-back investigations of Donald Trump, his family, and everybody around him. It's about time we get into this uh, Biden uh, controversy here and what I think is going to be uh, a deep body of impropriety. 
Um, this is one of those things that will get buried if we don't maintain the majority in the Republican hands in the Senate. The other thing is, is I believe the Democrats at their word will continue to investigate uh, irresponsibly, really, uh, the Trump family and so forth. This is what I'm hopeful of, is that we get to the bottom of this thing, both in the Ukraine and in the, uh, China. When he went to China and come back, came back with a, a billion and a half dollars and goes to Ukraine and makes all that money, we still don't know what really went on. It's time we get out there. The best way to do that is follow the money. Follow the money, and if you, want, if you don't want the president investigated by the House, don't give, them, don't give the Democrats a Senate. That's something else, Governor, isn't it? Well, it really is. I mean, I don't know how disappointed the Democrats were after the election last month, but they had to be terrifically because the the liberal media elite said there was going to be this huge blowout, blue wave for the Democrats, and you know, one one pollster predicted a five seat majority in the Senate for the Democrats, and of course. The Republicans right now have to have a majority, and if we win one of two, hopefully both of these races, we'll continue to have an even bigger majority. So uh, the, the, I, I think that there, there are a lot of these people remember, Brian, who said publicly that Trump ought to be impeached before Trump ever got inaugurated. I mean that, that that is the literal truth. No, there's no question. And 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 so yeah, we need to. This stuff all needs to be as cleaned up as it possibly can be. But the one thing that is in front of us, we know in front of us, uh, is this two runoff election in Georgia that will decide whether or not the Democrats have the ability to. To as as Chuck Schumer said, we're going to win Georgia for the Democrats, and then we're going to change the country. Five thirty-eight. That that dubious, but uh, respect in some circles. Uh, that poll that polling outfit has Ossoff ahead by 0.4 percent on Purdue, and has Warnock ahead by two full points on Leffler. Go bring me inside this campaign. Do you do you buy those numbers? This is very, very close. Our numbers actually show both of our candidates slightly ahead, but everything is in the margin of error. And 538, by the way, was the the organization I was talking about that predicted a five-seat Democrat majority in the Senate last month. I hear you. So I'm— I'm not holding my breath for what they're saying. But it shows it's, you know, you could see, and you know better than me, you're the expert. But, uh, but Haley Barber, it does show trends. So you could show where things are going from where they were. Even, just know what, the, know what the poll is that you're looking at. And you had Purdue win by 88,000 votes. And if you combine uh, the efforts of the Democrats and Republicans, if you provide Collins and Leffler, uh, they have a 44,000 vote advantage over Warnock. What's changed? Uh, I don't think much of anything's changed, just to be honest with you. Uh, I would have been interested in what uh, some of these pollsters said before November 3rd. But the the, the thing that is crucial here is these are very, very close. And as you know, Brian, polling has a margin of error that usually is somewhere between three and four points. So if, if the poll is theoretically right if it's off two points 
or three points. So every poll you've talked about could be within the margin of error, but wrong. And they're all so close. I mean, this is about turnout. This is about President Trump's supporters getting out and voting for uh, Senator Perdue and Senator Leffler. And candidly, there are some people that voted for uh, Joe Biden who don't want the Democrats to have total control of the country. I can tell you that a lot. There, there were some people who maybe don't like Trump, but they're not they're not for giving AOC, you know, the new Green Deal or taking away private health insurance from people whose employers, 170 million right now, by the way, get health insurance from their employers, and they want to make that illegal. Uh, right. Uh, uh, so, and the, these are some blatant uh, things, but in the, the urban voters seem to go Democrat regardless. And I th- I'm just wondering, in your strategy, do you plan on sending Senator uh, Leffler into the urban environments, into Atlanta, where she's not going to get the majority, but she could wedge out some, and same with Senator Purdue? Are you looking to maximize your base or expand the field? Both. The, uh, the, there is... I think it is fair to say not very many people will change their vote. But there are some, and there are a lot of those are suburban women who voted for Biden for president, probably voted the straight Democratic ticket. Now they have something else to think about. Do they want to give a blank check to the Democratic Party which is saying, saying publicly, we want to make a state for Washington, D.C., and a state for Puerto Rico, and we want to pack the Supreme Court. Well, why would anybody from Georgia want to take power away from Georgia to give it to somebody that's not a state now? Right. I, I, mean, I guess there, there, yeah. are, there are issues here. Uh, no, I, I hear you. It's going to dilute their impact. But uh, when you look, so far we understand there are 43,000 Georgians who have returned absentee ballots for the runoffs. About 1,000 of those voters did not cast ballots in the general election. Uh, and they got to be all in. Uh, all the absentee must be in by January 1st. How are you guys approaching the mail-in as right now? Uh, what did you learn from November 3rd that might change how you, uh, how you communicate to voters on mail-in? Well, you were talking about why do you need 4,000 poll workers? That's why. Because you, you, these these ballots, under almost every state's law, not every single one, but these ballots are supposed to be reviewed. The signatures are supposed to be reviewed for accuracy and the, to make sure it's the same signature on this absentee ballot that is on other documents by this person, including most most commonly, that they signed up to register to vote. And if they don't match, they can't be counted. But the thing you've got to be careful about is once that envelope's open right. and separated from the ballot, so you got to have people there to do it before you know before time. And uh, there's there is. A, a, Already, we have more than a thousand people who are who are working for thirty or forty days on this campaign. But we we do have to have people to help in these critical times to make sure every legal vote gets counted and no 
illegal vote gets counted. Governor, if people want to help uh, you guys out and they want to help out your super PAC, uh, the Georgia Battleground Fund, where do they go? Uh, I'm going to call it back in to you. All right, no problem. I don't, I don't no, we'll, have we'll it post at my it. fingertips. Yeah, uh, no problem. All right. Governor uh, Haley Barber, they got the big, uh, the big, uh, the power, the Republican powerhouses on the ground in Georgia. That's how much this means, uh, actually, to the country. Governor Haley Barber, thank you so much. Everybody needs to vote and vote early, Brian, okay. because in Georgia, even on January fifth, they could have a snowstorm, an ice storm, and you can vote starting early. December twenty first and go to your polling uh, to your yeah, and and vote and get it behind you so you don't take the risk of not being able to get to the polls on election day. All right, uh, Governor Barber, great job, great communication, appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm going to come back, take your calls on this, and then we're going to have that number in case you want to give uh, to the Republicans on the ground. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because man, do you need to know? You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You know, I got a a few calls up there, but I want to get to this. Uh, A lot of times, Allison, you're able to watch the other channels when I'm on Fox and Friends, right? And you're just amazed at what's going on on Morning Joe. The hatred for Trump. You said it's hit a new high? I think so. I mean, it's usually like out of 100. I feel like this is like a 150. Let's listen. She said that she has a patient who died and wondered if, you know, the vaccine had been available, if that patient would be alive. We're going to have... Thousands more people who are going to die of the coronavirus. None of these at this point should be dying. Most of them shouldn't be dying at this point. If you look at how other countries have fared under proper leadership, these are Trump's deaths. This is Trump's virus. It's not Trump's presidency anymore. And yet he continues to try and grab onto it in some pitiful or self-centered effort to create a media uh, empire beyond... Uh, okay, it. I can't hear this anymore. She is such a clown. Who the hell is she? The people are dying around the world. The only reason we're close to a vaccine is because Trump streamlined the operation, put together a team, married the private sector with the public sector with the health sector, and they are now producing what takes years, nine months they have a vaccine. If you're mad at anyone, the FDA has taken four Well, six extra days since the U.K. started uh, the inoculations. That's the only thing. If you're upset about six days, go ahead. You're blaming 3,000 deaths on the president? He's said everything that Fauci's saying. People are doing what they're going to do by their governors and mayors. You should be madder at the food lines. You should be madder at the shutdowns than anything else. That's your Democratic mayors and governors in in an effort to protect us are destroying us. Unbelievable. I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible. Who likes that? I mean, she's ready to cry. No, I know. Between her ready to cry, saying it's Trump's disease, the deaths, and that it's not his presidency anymore. He's still the president until January 20th. A At month? Least, yeah. 
Uh, we're we're over a month. He's yeah. he, he's got over a month yet. They haven't even so. Uh, so what are you saying? It's his virus, but it's not. He's not president anymore. Which one are you having? So then Joe Biden's taking over. He goes, I'm going to do a mask mandate. Well, 37 states are already doing it, and he knows he can't do it. We're going to have 100 days of wearing a mask. We're already doing it. What are you talking about? I mean, Joe Biden has said nothing. Anthony Fauci says said nothing that helps anyone. The other thing that I found interesting, he'll take the vaccine. He'll tell his family to take the vaccine. That helps. Because right now, according to a poll, only 7 out of every 10 of all, all of our listeners uh, anyone in the country will take the vaccine. To me, you spend your time die, doing a deep dive on there seem to be five vaccine choices. That should be, and how we do it, that'll be great. Push CVS and Rite Aid to do their thing, that's fantastic. Saying that the Wuhan China virus that is plaguing the world has overwhelmed Europe, has just rampaging through lovely countries that you and your father like, like Iran— and the United Arab Emirates, and Russia, but it's Donald Trump's fault. Incredible. When the WHO lies, when even CNN finds out that China lied, just suddenly, but it's Trump's fault. Go to briankillme.com, get the true uh, look at our history, our past. Pick up any of these books. I could sign them. We could send them out for the holidays and personalize them if you do it quick. That's Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, all the way to Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Joe. Heard from you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Grant Cardone. Uh, he was featured in Discovery's Undercover Billionaire. You're going to love to just take a little break from what's happening in politics. And we got a lot of other news that's going to be taking place right now. The president at 1230 today will be having lunch, we believe, with 17 others, attorney generals, Republicans from Republican states. Uh, they are joining Texas in a lawsuit. We'll explain that in a moment. Uh, So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We're going to have tens of millions of Americans vaccinated before year end. We're going to have 100 million Americans vaccinated into the first quarter of next year. And then we're going to have any American who desires to have a vaccine vaccinated by the end of second quarter of 2021. The virus kills 3,000 more Americans Wednesday, but policy is inflicting more economic, uh, emotional damage than COVID-19, perhaps. I'm talking about these governors and mayors, and what they're doing is producing huge lines at food banks and destroying businesses. How Americans are showing this time they're ready to fight as a vaccine approval a vaccine approval is just hours away. Number two. The right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about Biden and his family. Too disgusting to even repeat here. Uh, I mean, some of the ones I've seen from the president's son and the president, some of the president's supporters are, are just wildly unhinged. Really? You mean like the pictures of him with uh, outer shirt on smoking crack with hookers? I'm pretty sure that's his doing, not ours. Uh, China, the threat. Hunter's dirty deals and how Eric Swalwell and other Dems have been compromised. Now the country might just pay attention and why you have to. 
Number one. Because it is brought by a state against other states, the original venue for it is the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court has what's called original jurisdiction over disputes between the states. Trump and Texas get some company. 17 states, as I mentioned, join the legal fight. What are their chances of success? The only place they can go, Supreme Court. It's a long shot. Some say a Hail Mary, but will it work first? Now it is time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed host of Fox News Sunday. You are to refer to me only as the big guy going forward. <laughs> the battleground big guy, the chairman of the truth. We're now going into replays. I mean, is this I didn't realize it was summer. We're into reruns now of my open. And now it is time to clear the airwaves for Chris Wallace's new open. The chairman, the big guy, the moderator, the connoisseur, the newsman, the anchor, and always receptive voice of Fox News Sunday, Chris Wallace. There you go. We got it through. Good job, Frank, Bruno, and Eric. Well, I got to say, I clearly uh, touched some nerves there. They seem a little sensitive that I... Uh, wow. <laughs> they, they, I hurt their feelings. And I don't think we need uh, Frank Bruno to do... Who was the guy... What was it? It was it was some ad, and the guy used it was a fast talker, and he used to do all the things that were at the bottom of the page. They, Frank Bruno needs to give me a better read than that one. That was that was not uh, you know voice of God material. So not a great read. Do you want a disclaimer? Should we just focus on the disclaimer and less on the ad, like what new pharmaceutical drug, where the disclaimer no, goes think, longer than the actual drug that, description? That he could he could do a better job. And you know what I do like though, the image of clear the airwaves. Like you know, we're just going <laughs> to block out all the other all the other stations, all the other uh, Sirius XM. It all goes off the air for you and me. For and, and you know the best part, we're almost done. <laughs> we've, we've talked about the open and uh, run the open. And we're almost done. So this is really a pretty easy gig today. It looks like you just want to get it over with, but I'm not going to let you off that easy. No, First, I'm happy to talk to you, as always, Brian. All right, good. So let's talk about another thing. Yesterday, Hunter Biden, you know the story everyone told us not to cover, uh, that it was a non-story, even though it, it revolves around the person running for president's son who might be involved in international business deals that could compromise on national security. You know that non-story? Well, Hunter Biden said... He learned yesterday for the first time the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware advised his legal counsel uh, that they're investigating his tax affairs. Quote, I take this matter seriously. I'm confident that I'll have a professional objective review of matters that will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally appropriately, including the benefit of professional tax advisors. Uh, meanwhile, they also learned for the first time uh, that Delaware advised them about the look into his tax affairs. The FBI has been investigating since 2018. This could what, how do you assess this? How, how do you assess the importance of this? Well, it's clearly a news story. And I think that, you know, I think that some people, including some people at Fox, may have overdone it before the election, uh, all that stuff. But I certainly think it was a news story. And there's no question, let me make it clear here, folks, that the mainstream media dramatically undercovered it. I think you could even say covered it up. And and that was wrong. I'm, I you know I I think that it certainly deserves some coverage before the election. All the allegations against him because I think for a lot of people this is just coming out of the blue. You know who don't watch Fox News they're they're like what 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 are they talking about? As far as how big it is, we don't know. I mean you know it's an investigation. It's not a charge. It's not an indictment. Uh, and, and at this point, the people who are leaking information about it are saying that Joe Biden is not a subject or a target of the investigation. 
but you know, it's it, it, the son of the vice pres of, of the president elect being uh, under investigation by a U.S. attorney and a grand jury having been having been convened. That's news. Okay, a couple of things. What we learned through the uh, the Mueller report was and and the FBI investigation. We do not say the president's a target. And why member James Comey, could you just say, the president said, could you just tell everyone we're not a target? He goes, yeah, I could do that. But if you become a target, I got to announce that. So now you're not a target until we find something that has a target. And Tony Bobolinsky, who I happen to know people that know him personally, who was brought in to run the Biden fund, for lack of a better term, says that this guy was he, they met four times, including at an event in which they both were at and seen together. They met four times, one of which Joe Biden, known as the big guy, which you, by the way, want to be in all seriousness. I'd love to be called the big guy. I right. told you that. Now, the big guy said he was benefiting from that and told us exactly how. Here's what brought Byron York said yesterday, cut 27. It was going on even as Democrats were really kind of yelling for Republicans to stay away from Hunter Biden. Remember a year ago as the uh, as the uh, move to impeach the president uh, was heating up in the House, uh, a lot of Republicans wanted to look into Hunter Biden's uh, business affairs. And the, the word they got from Democrats was absolutely no way. Now, in the end, this is not hugely surprising in the sense that it often happens this way when someone makes a large amount of money from mysterious sources overseas. Uh, you look at whether they pay taxes on all of it. That's certainly what happened to Paul Manafort in the uh, Mueller investigation. And it's happened to a lot of other people who've had these windfalls from overseas governments. How do you think this is going to go? Well, you give me a projection six months from now. What do you think happens? I don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. I, I mean, I, you know, let's wait and see. I think it's absolutely worth covering. Hunter Biden came out with a uh, statement, you know, with a statement yesterday that he had, you know, been notified by the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, absolutely a news story. I think it's certainly worth pursuing whether he, one, whether whether he did anything wrong Two. If he did anything wrong, whether the president-elect is involved in that. And I think there's one other story worth covering, and that is how Joe Biden handles the Justice Department. Because we have seen, you know, it did back in 2019 in a debate and with Jake Tapper just the other day, he said, my Justice Department is the people's Justice Department. It's not mine. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm not going to tell them what not to do. I mean, one of the things is it'll be interesting to see oftentimes uh, new presidents come in and they change U.S. attorneys. Will he change the U.S. attorney in Delaware? I think that would be very uh, concerning were he to change the U.S. attorney in Delaware right at the beginning or right, right in the midst of this investigation. You ought to let it go and play out and let's see what happens. And, you know, it'll, it, it, we'll know soon enough whether there's any there, there or not. Cover in New York Post today. I'm sure you saw the story. I'm very curious to see what you think of Congressman Eric Swalwell. It turns out he got a background briefing that there was a person that he was working with bundling money from him who started as an intern uh, that he might have been having uh, a personal relationship with. He won't confirm or deny it. Uh, working for China. She has since disappeared. Uh, he got a background briefing. And a lot of people, including Kevin McCarthy, Want to know how the guy who sits on the Intelligence Committee was allowed to sit on the Intelligence Committee knowing he was infiltrated by a Chinese spy? Listen. 
This man should not be in the Intel Committee. He's jeopardizing national security. What is being said in those meetings inside the skiff that we don't want other people to hear or listen? You can't not you cannot take in your watch. You cannot take in your phone. Mm -hmm. But here we have an individual who Nancy Pelosi, this is the real question. When did Nancy Pelosi know of this? And why did he, he why did she maintain him on the committee? Congress's chair worried about the foreign intervention into our country, knowingly keep an individual on the committee if he knew, as Swalwell says, that he was with a Chinese individual who was a spy, who helped him run for Congress. Right. Then the other question is, did anybody influence getting a sophomore member onto the Intel Committee? This just raises more questions. It puts the national security of this country. And then I have another question for them. Why did the Democrats pull out of the bipartisan China task force that would look at this problem and others? What do you think about that? That was on Fox and Friends today, and that's the implication. It's belonging then salacious. It is showing, number one, how pervasive the Chinese espionage outfit is. Uh, and number two is uh, what Eric Swalwell is about. Well, and also, look, the, what do I think of it? I think it, it, it is absolutely a legitimate story. We ought to pursue it, and I think Kevin McCarthy is completely right. Uh, it not only goes to Swalwell and what he's about, but it also goes to Nancy Pelosi and the decision to put Swalwell in the Intelligence Committee. I mean, he's, he's getting access there to the crown jewels of American intelligence, a guy who had had a defensive briefing. Hey, you know this Fang Fang? I've got to tell you, a woman walks into my office named Fang Fang. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm not going to be a little suspicious of her. But uh, <laughs> that, that bomb, didn't it? No, no. I, I, I mean, but it's like Boutros, Boutros, Galley. I'm like, yeah, isn't one Boutros yes, enough? Exactly. But anyway, Fang Fang, if he walks in, I'm going to be a little suspicious of it. And if he gets a defensive briefing, how he ends up on the Intel Committee, I think, is a perfectly legitimate question to ask Nancy Pelosi, if she were on the show this Sunday, I would ask her that. And uh, I'm sure she would receive it <laughs> with, with great good humor, as she often does when you ask a tough question. Oh, yeah. she Yeah. She uh, to confront her. Can, is I, just, can I say one thing about. All right. Because I know just, you, just real quick. Do you think out there thinks look, can I just finish up I, this story real quick? Yes, sir. Uh, I just have to ask you about this. When someone asks if there was a personal relationship and he says it's classified, is that a good answer? No, and it also seems to be a BS answer. I mean, if you've had a personal relationship with her, why is that, why is that classified? It's I not, mean, I can yeah. understand where it's personally embarrassing to him, but, uh, but I don't understand where saying yes or no to that changes anything. It seems to me he's just trying to protect himself. The only thing I was going to say about Nancy Pelosi is, uh, you know, I, sometimes if you ask her a, a tough question, she makes it sound like you're, uh, you know, you're giving the— <laughs> the uh, Republican talking points, you're doing the president's yep. bidding. And the answer is we're actually smart enough to think of these questions on our own. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would ask her that question. How, how did he merit it? Did you know that he had gotten a defensive briefing that he had had close contact with a, uh, you know, with a, with a Chinese agent? That's, that's, a, that's a serious question. It is. I just got to tell you this. Uh, Allison just walked it in here as if it was 1971. I mean, you could have texted me or you could send out an email. She walked in. Like right. a, you, you might as well wait, be in the Daily Planet. <laughs> you might as well be in the Daily Planet when you walk in. Yeah, you're, and, you're, and you're Jimmy Olsen. All right, <laughs> now they're really old. Uh, she's handed me. It's true. You walked in. Why don't you just tell me to look down? You also could have talked to me in my ear.
I mean, it's amazing. She's Sometimes communicating with you is just best if it's written <laughs> out right in front of your face. I still screw wow. it up. Wow. Uh, Things are falling apart on this show. Really rapidly. The only reason why Eric I mean, is saying Frank that is. Bruno's lousy read and Allison Mansfield coming in. <laughs> Could I let me just tell you what she dropped off, physically dropped yes, off. Quite, drop you off. could have faxed I mean, at least it, it wasn't Allison. by Wells Fargo. It wasn't the Pony Express. Right, yeah, you could have just mailed it to me. I could have got it at home and brought it into work tomorrow. Uh, it's unbelievable. I gotta have I gotta go through a whole new training, the whole staff, everybody. Uh be here at noon tomorrow. Uh Joe Biden has tapped Susan Rice as the White House Domestic po- uh, Policy Council. So remember, she was asked security advisor for Obama. Now she's gonna be the White House Domestic Policy Council. Um I guess that's very interesting. That's very interesting. But you know yeah, what? She's directly interesting yeah. because she was a foreign policy expert. She worked on the NSC. She was a big <laughs> expert on Russia. Uh, she was the U.N. ambassador, which she was the national security advisor. Um, you know, she's a smart woman. Uh, and, you know, what the best part of it is from his point of view. Yeah. Doesn't have to go through Senate confirmation. So she's not going to get asked about why she went on the five Sunday shows in 2012. Uh, and uh, misled everybody about uh, the Benghazi attack. Okay, I'm up again. Do you have any guests you want me to promote or not promote? Are there guests that you don't want to promote? Yeah, no. I, I we think we're going to have a top official from the government, from the from the uh, healthcare part of the government about you know we hope it'll be FDA approval of Pfizer vaccine. Where are we headed on that? We're also going to have uh, centrist Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, who's part of this bipartisan gang of eight that is trying to get the government to pass COVID relief. People are desperate for some kind of help, and it looks again like politics may get in the way. There's a jobless claims of a seven, uh, eight hundred sixty-five thousand, right? Jobless claims. It's a, a high, high really? since September, just came in. Yeah, so that's an and, indication the economy really is slowing down. Absolutely, and I would add this: we need to. Get that insurance that debt to indemnify employees that liability insurance because right now it's too much of a risk to bring people back to work. But if you give if you pr- give them protocols and the Republicans want this liability, they have to have it. That'll get people back into the buildings again. Maybe even get you back to the bureau, uh, Chris. And I have just one one quick yeah. question. I know we're all way yeah. past time. Next week, talking about unemployment, will Allison Frank? And Eric have jobs still. We'll put it this way. They'll go back on probation. They do their best work with their backs against the wall. So we'll have to put them, <laughs> put them back on probation. Thanks a lot. Allison. Goodbye. Right. See you later. Uh, back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The court declined to hear the Pennsylvania case, seeming on the fact that the Pennsylvania GOP did not bring it timely enough. You know, this is one that, at least for Texas's allegations, includes multiple states that we now have the ability to see the consequences of non-state actors affecting what the legislature had established to be able to protect the validity of their elections in their own states. And we believe that it is timely, and for the court to consider it would be appropriate. So, are you- so that is the attorney general of um, of Alabama talking about why they joined the Texas fight to really overturn the election. They want the Supreme Court to take it up. Why? Because four states in particular, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and uh, Arizona, 
They said that they had irregularities in what they did and how they counted votes, which nullified and hurt their citizens in their states because it was a national election. And the Supreme Court has to look at this and say we have to hear it. If they say no, I have to think this is virtually over uh, for the president. If they say yes, it's game on. And the president of the United States is in two hours, roughly in a few hours, is going to have lunch with these 17 attorney generals at the White House, at which time they're going to bring this up and the strategy going forward. And uh, we'll see. There are problems in all those states. And the mail-in voting is where it all started. The pandemic is really where it all began. Well, this president would have won almost with a Reagan over Mondale route because Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I walk into my parking lot, and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this. Has approved this being set up for for a movie company. Everything I own is being taken away from me, and they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio. Tell me that this is dangerous. But right next to me, as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe. That is just a little of the restaurant owner who was shut down because the governor of the state thinks it's better off to let people go on bread lines and food uh, uh, and food lines than let people try to earn a living. Even though the stats say, and the study reveals, and the data confirm that only three percent, four percent of Michigan, and only three percent of these cases have anything to do with outdoor dining in the state, but they're still shutting down all these businesses. Think about this. This pandemic has put everybody, so many people, uh, really in a situation, dire straits uh, fiscally, which is, makes it perfect for our next guest. Uh, he's an expert. He's great. He's Grant Cardone. He is going to be on, on hosting Undercover Billionaire, airing in January, but he spends his life working in business, taking bets on himself. He's a serial entrepreneur and joins us now. Grant, welcome. Hey, my friend, good to be with you. Uh, super fan of yours, as so many millions of people are. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, I will say this. I'm, I, I'm reading the description because I know it's not on yet. I, I, w- I love, uh, you know, I cannot wait to watch this because I like real businesses, real people trying to make a living. And through this pandemic, the stats show it's middle and working class people who start their own business, take tremendous risk, who are suffering the most. How does that, how does that make you feel? Yeah, look, it's 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 horrendous what is happening to small business owners. Prior to COVID, 64% of all small business owners break even or lose money. And now there's it, like like every day I wake up Brian, I'm wondering what is the agenda here to shut down the little guy? Like like it looks to me like they're going to give us money but take away our freedom. And I'd rather have my freedom than the money. I just want the opportunity. I think small business owners get they, they get in business for themselves because they want to work for themselves. They want to create something, and they want the risk. 
and they don't want the deck stacked against them. They want the chance to win, but now they don't just want the money, by the way. They, they want the freedom to, to create something, to, to build a business, to hire people, to service a customer, and now that is being taken away for, okay, we'll give you a little, we'll give you an unemployment or we'll fund your business for a second. I don't want funding. I want freedom. Absolutely. First off, tell us your story, Grant. How did you make your money? Well, I, I, I grew up in uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. I was fired from seven jobs. Uh, the last job that I was fired from, I hated. They finally got rid of me at the end, and I was forced to go start my own business because I was really just not a good employee. And um, uh, I was effective, but I was a big mouth. And uh, uh, and, and so I didn't typically get away, get along with the organization. So I went out on my own. I had an idea about how to improve sales organizations, and I started cold calling. I wouldn't be able to do this today because they wouldn't let me travel. I was cold calling on small business owners and medium-sized businesses around America, spending 250 days a year, no name, no one knew me. I uh, just had an idea, like so many small business owners. I had an idea, and I believed in my idea, and I went and sold it, and it caught on. Uh, and uh, started a second business out of that. Then I started investing in real estate. Uh, my first real estate deal was a, a single-family house. Today we own $2 billion worth of real estate. Um, and, you know, the last time I was on Fox & Friends, I was telling you, hey, man, get out of that stock market, load up on real estate. And you can see what real estate's doing uh, post-COVID. Uh, it's just exploding because we're moving into inflation now. So I have seven businesses today. We're in Florida. We have about 500 employees, and it was all started the way I described earlier, just somebody that wanted to right. – had an idea and that wanted to do something. It's way bigger than I ever imagined it would be. So when I went and did Undercover Billionaire for Discovery Channel, they said, hey, what if we took everything away from you, uh, gave you 100 bucks in an old truck, you can't use your name, can't use your contacts, you'll have no food, no water, no shelter, could you make it? And I'm like, dang, this is pre-COVID. I said, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, but I think I could, but I don't know if I should do it because it seems crazy. Well, I went and did it. And... Um, uh, it'll drop January 6th. So rather than telling people what to do, I'm going to show America exactly how to go from 100 bucks to a million-dollar business and do it in 90 days during COVID. I find that fascinating. That's a real reality show. Undercover Billionaire it comes back for its second season, January 6th, followed by an all-new series, The Undercover Billionaire, Comeback City. That'll be at 10 o'clock. So uh, a lot of people need some advice right now. Uh, and, you know, we, we see that people say, well, I'm politicians who never put their their livelihood on the line are making decisions for business people who have to pay rent, pay employees, pay taxes and also live and pay their own living expenses. What yeah. advice do you have for them as they look at these bills every day and feel helpless? Grant, how do you yeah, what no, do you no, say to them? Yeah. Number one, number one thing that I would do right now is well, it's, it's a strategy called go to zero. You, 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 first of all, you got to forget the politics for a second. Vote. Yep. Do everything you can, can to get your friends to vote. If you're in Georgia, go vote. But, but right now, like this thing's the, the, control what you can control. Go to zero. Okay, go to zero. What that means is, money cannot help you in this situation. So if you have a retirement account, a savings account, checking account, you think the, the average person thinks, okay, that's my security. That is not your security. The only security you have, and it's definitely not politicians, it is your actions. You need a plan. 
the the and money can't save you. The first thing I did on this show when they gave me the hundred dollars, I went to the bank. I'll just give you a little peek inside the show. I went to the bank and and surrendered the hundred dollars. I put the money in the bank, and they're like, "You're going to need that money." I said, "No, I don't need that money. I need people. I need contacts. Contacts are contracts, and the only way to build something is with people." So. Money is not a salvation for anyone, a savings account, a retirement account. That is not what's going to save you. It's who you know, who knows you, making contacts every day. And I would just tell people, if you want to grow your business right now, we help a lot of people that are going to have a bigger bigger year this year than they had before COVID because they're out there making contacts with people, not uh, thinking that their money or their savings account can save them. All right, so we're here with um, Grant Cardone, and he's talking about Undercover Billionaire, and he's talking about how to help everyday people. Grant, by the way, yesterday we launched in uh, your old hometown, Lake Charles, Louisiana, KLCL, uh, Talk Radio 1470. So they just started carrying us this week. Uh, We got lucky uh, booking you this week. But a couple of things. If I have a restaurant and they're telling me I can't open, you know that all you want to do is be able to earn your way out of it. How do you get contacts to help you with that? Personal relationships to the well, landlord, personal relationships yeah, so, with the bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, uh, if you if your business was in trouble before COVID, and then COVID or nine eleven or two thousand eight happened, it's going to be in more trouble afterwards. This, this needs to be a reminder. I, you know, this needs to be a reminder. You need to be in businesses that are scalable and that are indestructible. And the restaurant owners today, like as big, like from the little guy all the way to Fertitas with 600 restaurants, you knew you were at risk beforehand. It's extremely competitive business. Very few restaurants ever make any money. Uh, if you do make money, you make it for four or five years. You've got you to start thinking about rebooting right now and use this COVID moment, if you will. Sounds like the Kodak moment, if you remember that. Uh, this COVID moment, you've got to use it for like, hey, maybe it's time for me to, to – to, uh, to pivot, do I need to be in another space right now? Is this the right space for me to be in? Can I actually make money here? Is this just a passion? When I went and did this show for Discovery, I didn't look for something I wanted to do. I looked for something I could build a million-dollar business or more in 90 days. And I think a lot of people today are going for the, the thing they want to do rather than the thing that will pay off. Like you're in a business that can only pay you so much. I mean, you got to become a superstar like Brian. You got to become. Yeah. You got to hit your level to even make any money. Otherwise, you're yeah. underpaid the whole time. So it's a it's a bad space unless you become a superstar. Well, a couple so of I things. Would just tell pe- yeah, yeah. A, a couple of things. I'm just going to play you a clip from somebody. So a lot of people listening right now say, okay, in order to make a living, I was uh, working at night to go to law school. I'll go waiter. I'll wait tables. You know, I'll mm-hmm. go into a coffee shop and do it that way, or I'll go become a barista at, at Starbucks because you have an end goal. Your end goal is to be able to have that law degree or that business degree. Um, so. Having said that, when those dry up, you say, where do I go for additional revenue? So if you have limited skills or you're a student, you're 22, you're waiting to get in track, what recommendations do you have for that? Dude, I'd start selling stuff. I'd find stuff that you have that you can sell. I'd find stuff that my neighbor, my buddy, my, my family has that they can sell. I do, not need, I do not need a skill to get money. I need somebody's assets become their liabilities. Assets become liabilities. Liabilities become assets. The fact that I don't have anything is a liability. But if I can look at it a little different way, it becomes my asset. So I look to you, Brian. Hey, what do you have at your house that you don't want anymore? I'll come pick it up, clean it up, get rid of it for free. 
okay? Then I'm going to take that stuff and I'm going to go sell it to somebody that, 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 uh, that thinks what you have is valuable. So you have to look for how can you find something. Without creating something, without building something, without manufacturing something, how can you find something that is no longer valuable to another person that somebody else would find valuable? I'm not talking about baseball cards either. I'm talking about stuff where I can pick up two hundred, five hundred, a thousand, five thousand dollars. And there are websites to do that. But I want you to hear. Here's an example of what uh, this this chef is going through. Obviously, really good chef, having success until they decide that he can't work anymore. Cut thirty three. Well, the application of this has been a disaster. I mean, at Heroic, we agree with fighting COVID, and we agree with doing it together in the community, but the application of regulation has been so unfair and biased. Uh, It's been very much in favor of big supermarkets. Uh, You can still go indoor shopping at indoor malls. We've all seen photos of the mobs of people all together in those indoor malls. Um, I happen to be an agreement with shutting indoor dining. I think that's probably scientifically unsafe. But outdoor dining and fresh air with highly regulated COVID-protected booths, to shut that down has been a calamity. So, Jeff, what do you do? A lot of these guys go public and they start GoFundMe pages and they get people helping them out. That's aggressive. What about what would you do if you were Jeff, the executive chef at Heroic Italian? Yeah, I would start looking. I I would go online and start seeing if I could raise money. I've raised... Uh, almost a half a million dollars online using Instagram and Facebook, but you have to have an audience. So if he doesn't have an audience yet, that's a problem because you need an audience. This goes back to what I said earlier. You don't need money. You need people. You need contacts. People need to know who you are. Anybody that gets attention gets money. Money follows attention. And so um, if you're rebooting right now, you need to make a very clear, specific plan about what is the goal. The goal should be about money right now, getting yourself in a financial situation where you can find your passion, pay for your passion later, not fun, not, not work your passion, but find your passion later with the money uh, uh, that, that, that resolves the problems that you have right now. So tell me about Undercover Billionaire. What did you learn about money doing these shows? Well, look, when you go from having everything, you know, like literally like, uh, a, a cushy lifestyle to going to a, a city where you know no one. I had to shave my head because of my social media phone would, would recognize me. Um, going to a city I've never been, no contacts, can't use my phone, can't use my computer. I don't have food and water, Brian. Like, it's been a long time since I worried about food and water. I didn't have a place to piss at night. Like, I didn't have a place to sleep. I didn't have a heat. It was, I woke up and it was 15 degrees uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and I live in Miami. I'm used to uh, warm yeah. air. So, like, everything was, like, I learned everything, like, hey, Grant, be grateful for the things that you have. Be grateful for your name. I couldn't use my name. I couldn't walk in and say, hey, my name's Grant Cardone, and I've written 21 best-selling business programs, and I can help grow your business. Now, I was, I was a different person with a different name that you can't even find anywhere on the Internet. So just being able to tell people the truth. I became extremely grateful for because I was having to lie the whole time to keep my cover. And um, my family, I wasn't with my family for 90 days. Right. You know, it, it it was the most insane thing I've ever done in my life. Brian, I would never do it again. I would recommend if Discovery Channel calls anybody up and says, hey, could you do this? Would you do this? I wouldn't do it. I had a million dollars on the line the whole time. If I didn't hit my number, I had to pay a million dollars. I don't like that idea. You know, Um, so it was the hardest thing I ever did. And then COVID hit two weeks into the deal and shut it down right when I was getting a little momentum. 
so that's the other thing I'm grateful for, momentum. you got to be able to get a little bit of a movement, and, right. and then somebody takes it away from you. You know, and, and I know Trump feels that right now. He's like, I had some momentum, and they ripped it away from me. So um, there's so much to be grateful for every day that we don't take advantage of, and so many assets we have, each of us have in our lives, and, and, and people will be able to see this exact experience. You'll, be able to, you'll cry with me. You'll laugh with me. You'll be like, oh, my God, I cannot, I cannot believe that guy did that just yeah. there on that show. I think it's going to be a great thing for America to see that the American dream is alive and well, and you don't need money to make the American dream alive and well. But it's certainly better to have it, uh, especially if you earn it. Uh, Grant Cardone, thanks so much. You're still selling. You're, you're selling the show while sell, you're selling, selling your, po- show, man. I'm selling your selling. poverty uh, that ended up being uh, riches. Uh, Grant, thanks so much. Uh, and where do we go? Is there a website we go and look at some of your advice? Because a lot of people listening right now have their backs against yeah. the wall. Yeah, if you search Grant Cardone anywhere online, you'll, 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 I'll find you. You won't even have to find me. All right, and you got 3 million followers on Instagram, so you'll have a lot of company. Grant, thanks so yeah. much. We'll appreciate it. We look forward thanks. to seeing thanks, the launch Brian. of the show in the new appreciate year. It. Hey, hey, Brian, follow me on Instagram, man. All right. I'll follow you. And you do that. Okay. All right, I have, I have just slightly less than 3 million. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Got a couple of minutes here. It's always fascinating to see someone so stunningly successful uh, talk about spreading that word around. Susan in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Susan. Hi. I think that uh, the the small businesses, which are made up mainly of the restaurants, are being harassed terribly because that shows such uh, discomfort and problems and chaos in our country. And I think that's one of the reasons why they are doing this without any uh, scientific background, you know, in closing these places. So, I mean, it's just criminal in my mind. Also, uh, when they people are leaving California, they are opening up that West Coast for easy a movement of more Chinese in there. They're going. They're ruining the property values. People are leaving. Uh, California becomes just ripe and vulnerable. It's just to me. It's just part of the big plan why they are attacking the restaurants like they are. I just think they're being. Uh, well, you know what? If the if it's spreading, shut everything down. Tell everyone to go hide. We're not going to hide anymore. It's impossible. Can't do what they want. And the stats don't back it up. What happened in Los Angeles, and I'm sure if you listened to the show yesterday, and what happened in Los Angeles on Tuesday when the judge asked the government, supply the data that shows that these restaurants have to be closed, and they couldn't. And they referred us to the CDC, and Mark Gergos, the esteemed attorney, said, I went to the CDC. They said leave it open. And then yesterday we booked the Admiral Giroir in charge of the, uh, the COVID council for the White House, and he said, I never said to shut down outdoor dining. But yet they did it anyway, Susan. And that means waiters are out of work, waitresses are out of work, bartenders are out of work, the cleaning crew's out of work, the supply chain doesn't happen, the managers are out of work, and it's happened in tens of thousands of businesses. I could not believe the numbers of businesses that are just done. They say 500,000 businesses will go out unless they are allowed to open up within the next two months. 500,000. And now think about the people. And the people that rent those buildings, lease those buildings, that own those buildings, that no longer will have a business inside them. 
Hey, go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com, get the podcast anytime, anywhere, and listen to the show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for being here. Dan Gable will be with us. He spent uh, Tuesday, excuse me, Monday at the White House getting the Medal of Freedom. He's the greatest wrestler in American history, undefeated in high school, lost one college, won a world championship. Uh, He also won the Olympics, and then he went on to coach for 25 years in the Midwest. He's as good as his sport as anybody else is in theirs. Uh, Greatest of all time. He's going to talk about that honor at the White House. All his grandkids were laying all over the place in the Oval Office. The president was like, okay, guys, have at it. I got to go. Meanwhile, this hour, we're going to be joined by Ronna McDaniel. Uh, All she does is run the RNC, and, uh, and then we'll take your calls. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We're going to have tens of millions of Americans vaccinated before year end. We're going to have 100 million Americans vaccinated into the first quarter of next year. And then we're going to have any American who desires to have a vaccine vaccinated by the end of second quarter of 2021. The virus kills 3,000. Horrible stats. But policy is inflicting the horrible policy inflicting more economic and emotional damage on the COVID-19 businessmen and women. How America is now standing up and fighting back. Also, the vaccine is hours away from approval. Number two. The right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about Biden and his family. Too disgusting to even repeat here. Uh, I mean, some of the ones I've seen from the president's son and the president, some of the president's supporters are, are just wildly unhinged. Yeah, wildly unhinged and 100 percent factual. That was October 22nd. CNN's Jake Tapper. China, the threat, Hunter's dirty deals and how Eric Swalwell and other Dems have been compromised. Now the country might just want to pay attention and why you have to number one because it is brought by a state against other states the original venue for it is the supreme court because the supreme court has what's called original jurisdiction over disputes between the states benjamin witty's lawfare blog editor-in-chief uh trump in texas get some company how about 17 other state ags demanding a delay of and an investigation into four states in particular yeah it's a long shot jonathan turley said to hail mary but it could overturn the election i'll explain uh, with Ronna McDaniel, uh, runs the RNC, spending a lot of time in Georgia trying to make sure those two Senate seats say Republican seats. Ronna, welcome back. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, well, I was a little surprised. I don't know if you were surprised that 17 other states joined Texas in filing suit against four separate states for some chicanery that was going on. They say unconstitutional uh, passage of executive orders in four of those, in some of those states. Uh, that affected the election. Did you know this was brewing? I did. Uh, the second that Ken put his lawsuit out, Ken Paxson from Texas, I started getting texts from AGs and, and others around the country who wanted to join. I'm glad they did. Listen, it is very disturbing to see states that remove safeguards for election integrity and didn't administer their election fairly, treated absentee ballots different than in-person voting, And these states are saying, when you do this, you dilute our votes. You dilute our electors. 
And so you have to run the election in a fair and safe way and a, and a, and a transparent way, just like we did. And we need election reform in this country because what just happened in this election is not right. Here's what Lara Trump said last night as she looks to fight for her uh, father-in-law. Cut to. What this lawsuit is saying is that the reality is the, the election laws in the states of Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan were violated. They did not follow their state election laws. And because of that, it disenfranchises every single American voter. So people say, what day do you have to get this in by? When does this hearing have to have uh, come in by? December 14th, would that be the day in which the elector is going to confirm their state's uh, totals? Well, January 6th is where, when Congress actually accepts um, the, uh, the Electoral College vote. So I think you've got a little more runway, and it's certainly the Supreme Court, if they take this up, will have the ability to look at this uh, in, in, its, in its fullness and, and make adjustments if necessary. But there's no question, and Laura's exactly right, when states don't administer their own laws, they disenfranchise other states and other voters. And that's why the RNC just filed a lawsuit against Georgia, mainly to get them to follow their own laws, laws that they did not follow in this last election, allowing poll observers, allowing us to observe signature match, uh, simple things, securing drop boxes. We have way too porous of an election and too many opportunities for fraud. And um, the American people need to get wise. Democrats want that. Republicans are saying, let's have voter ID. Let's put more common sense safeguards in place. Because when we don't have that, it creates chaos and uncertainty in the result. So I noticed that, you know, the president's fighting an uphill battle because a lot of this stuff many people feel should have been done before the election. Legitimate challenges, legitimate complaints. They're not coming out of left field. They're real. But is it enough to turn... Uh, turn an election is what these judges are looking at. I'll add this. There is a sense that the Republicans are going to be successful in limiting the number of mail-in ballots because of the opportunity for fraud. Is that a target of yours as chairperson? And what what is the plan to go back to the way it was? Absolutely. It's a target of mine. And listen, we did sue in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Michigan originally was going to allow 14 days for ballots to continue to come in, and we won that case. And we uh, helped eliminate the executive powers of the governor that was overreaching. So we had over 40 lawsuits, but some of them we didn't win. And that allowed a lot of this chaos. But this is an issue of states not even enforcing their own laws. Uh, we didn't know we had to sue them to actually enforce their own laws. So going forward, we are going to be at state legislatures and we are going to be pushing hard to make sure safeguards are maintained mm. across this country for election integrity because Democrats stripped it away step by step under the cover cover of COVID. Right. And we cannot let that happen again. Ron, I want you to hear what Jonathan Turley told us last hour about and, you know, he's hardly a, a partisan. I think he's very even handed, very well respected, said this about the lawsuit. But this has also never been done uh, to have one state effectively litigate the failure of another state to apply its own laws. And the problem here is that the Supreme Court has long given great deference to state courts in the interpretation of their own constitution and laws. And these challenges have been rejected by the highest courts in each of those states. So there is a lot of baggage here uh, that is weighing down uh, this type of claim. Uh, Rana, do, do you, uh, have you heard that legal argument? I have. I think that it is fair, though, to say when states don't administer their own laws and allow uh, 
porous elections and potentially fraud and don't allow observers and refuse to do signature match like we mm. see in Georgia, the huge change in the signature match and the rejection rate from 2016 to 2020, there are problems. And I think this highlights that, and I hope the Supreme Court looks at that. We also have ballot harvesting in front of the Supreme Court as well, um, a ruling from the Ninth Circuit. So it is time for this country to take a real hard look at what mm. Democrats have systematically done through the courts to undermine our election. So, uh, Ron, I also got to bring you to what's going on in Georgia. And I was talking to Haley Barber, as you know, he and Carl Rove are doing a lot of work for the Republicans to try to keep those seats. But if you look at 538, and I hardly think it's a gold standard, but it does show that this is an extremely tight race. And both Republican, both Purdue and Leffler are trailing. Is that what your polls show? It's not what our polls are showing, uh, and, but it is tight, and I'm not going to lie about that. It is a very tight race, and it's a special election. So that changes things, too, because you don't have that typical turnout. However, everyone in Georgia knows about this race. It's wall-to-wall coverage on TV, on radio. Uh, doors are being knocked, and there is a really succinct message that Kelly and David are putting forward, which is we are going to be a safeguard if Joe Biden ends up being in the White House against socialism, removing the filibuster, stacking the Supreme Court, and we will be a checks and balance. And what Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff are running on is a complete reworking of of the fundamental nature of the United States of America. And Warnock wouldn't even uh, say whether he would stack the Supreme, Supreme Court or not, which means, yes, he will. So Georgia is the epicenter of, of providing the safeguards mm-hmm. and the protection for the Constitution of the United States of America. We need to keep that majority in the Senate. The way I understand it, if, if Carl Rove's numbers are right, and they usually are, it looks like 88,000 votes Purdue won last time and 44,000 if you combine uh, Collins and Leffler. Uh, she would have Republicans would have won by 44,000 or Leffler would have won by 44 if there was no Doug Collins. Are, are you convinced that you have more votes, it's a matter of locking them in? Or are you afraid since Election Day, because of the controversy around Georgia, that you're losing some support? I think we have to get those Trump voters out. The president is absolutely a a boon on the ticket, and they want to come support him. And he got 350,000 more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016. So it was critical that he went to Georgia. We have to keep them engaged and voting. And and that is why the lawsuit that the RNC and the GAGOP just put forward is important because they do not feel that the election was run in a fair and transparent way. And they need to know that we're fighting to fix it. And that's what we're doing with this lawsuit. When when I saw that uh, speech by the president Saturday, I was struck by one chant, fight for Trump. When David Perdue and, yep. and Kelly Leff were up there, are you afraid that the message is getting mixed and what's your and how do you get it together that it's not Trump versus Leffler and Purdue that they're on the same team? Do you think that was relayed? How do you plan on making sure of it? Well, the president going down was just critical and and actually getting in front of the the voters of Georgia and saying we need to keep the majority in the Senate. But it is absolutely something I've seen on the doors. I've been down there knocking. I've been in counties. And there is concern with voters, not just about protecting the president, which we can do both at the same time, protect the president, fight for him and maintain majority in the Senate. But the biggest concern they have is all these shenanigans we saw in November. What are we doing to fix that for January? And that's where the governor, the secretary of state come in. They don't have confidence that they're actually hearing the concerns they have and and moving to fix it. And that's why the RNC is saying 
yes, we're going to have poll observers. We want to make sure their signature match. And shining a light on laws that were not followed is going to be critical. I hope the Secretary of State will will, uh, will accommodate that and will understand the angst that mm-hmm. many voters in Georgia have. How would you characterize the president's mindset now, uh, November 5th, uh, when it started sinking in that uh, he wouldn't win the Electoral College unless something changed? How would you con- How would you compare it from November 5th on Till here we are in the middle of December or the second week in December. Well, the president, of course, you know, is a fighter. And I think the, the main thing that I've seen from him, first of all, he's always in a good mood. He's always positive and upbeat. But he rang a lot of warning bells early on when he saw these states shifting to mail-in voting. And we sued and we did all these things and the media stepped back. And I think there's a frustration with that, that the the system did not work uh, in favor of the voters and allowed a lot of things to happen that created uncertainty around this election. And and I think that's very frustrating for not just the president, but all the 75 million voters who voted for him. Um, And now we're looking at the media and saying, where were you? Why weren't you talking about these things? Well, now we know they weren't going to talk about it, just like they weren't going to talk about Hunter Biden with China or Eric Swalwell now with with his ties to China. I mean, it is ridiculous how they block out stories uh, on purpose to benefit Joe Biden. And we're discovering that over and over again as in the aftermath of this election. And then we find out that uh, YouTube is taking down any references to corrupt or a fixed or a fraudulent election. YouTube is trying to take that down while the president is suing uh, at the Supreme Court level. Uh, that shows that nothing's changed on social media. They're not to be intimidated. They have an agenda, doesn't it? Yeah, it, the censorship is rampant. And, you know, I, I did an op-ed last week, Brian, on Fox, where I talked about four years ago when I was at the inauguration, we were chased from our car. My daughter was spit on for wearing a Trump shirt. The hashtag not my president was trending. The president was being accused of colluding with Russia. Uh, he spent three years under investigation. And here Republicans are going through the courts in a systematic way, looking at real challenges that we saw with this election, and real allegations, affidavits under oath. Uh, and we're doing it in a peaceful, calm way, and we're being accused of undermining democracy. It is just rich to see the left do that. And then the censorship we're seeing on top of that, uh, is, I think it's frightening. And it shows even more why we need two Republicans in the Senate in Georgia, how critical that checks and balance will be if Joe Biden takes the White House. Has the president told you he's running again? He hasn't. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people who— of course, support this president. They're so passionate for him. And I've heard uh, a lot of folks just they can't believe uh, if he didn't win how that could have happened with the vast support we saw across the country. It just doesn't match what we saw. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure if he runs, he's going to have a huge support across the country. But if I'm RNC chair, I will have to remain neutral (laughs) in that contest. I understand. That's your job. Yeah, uh, and he told me that. You, yeah. you have to stay neutral. Okay. <laughs> He's going to get mad at you when you say when you don't endorse him right away. You know that. <laughs> so No, he told me. He said, you have, if you do it, you have to stay neutral. He knows, he knows the role of the RNC. Okay, that always works. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Ron McDaniel, thanks so much. Uh, I look forward thanks, to talking Brian. to you again. I know you get your hands full, but you're always cool under pressure. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. You got it. one 408 7669 Back with your calls in just a moment. The Speaker of the House has got a press conference right now. Our hands are going like crazy, which means she might have gotten an actual hard question. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. In terms of Mr. Swalwell, in the spring of 2015, the leadership of the of the House and the committee were informed that overtures from a Chinese person was were being made to members of Congress. When that was made known to the members of Congress, it was over. You know, that was the end of any communication with those people. So it isn't, uh, uh, I, I don't, I, mean, I think we should make sure that everybody knows what they are being subjected to. Uh, but I don't know that it means that we have to black t- background checks for every intern who comes into the Capitol. I, I do think uh, that it's unfortunate that Mr. McCarthy is trying to make an issue of this when his leader, we all found out at the same time. Uh, yeah, but it was not just someone's trying to make an overture that was working for him for years as a bundler. So then he gets on the Intelligence Committee knowing he's this is the woman, this is the person, that's the FBI. It wasn't just like generally there's somebody who might want to infiltrate your staff. Thanks for the heads up. I got to run. What do you want for lunch? You have a change of a 20. No, it is this person was an intern, then became a bundler, and then hired another intern who ended up escaping back to China and was labeled by the FBI a spy. And in return, you put him on the Intel Committee, even though it's only his second year on the job. But he's from California, so I guess it's worth the risk. Incredible. Uh, That's hardly an acceptable answer. And Leader McCarthy said this earlier. Maybe we should play that now, Eric. Here's what uh, what Kevin McCarthy told us on Fox & Friends today. This man should not be in the Intel Committee. He's jeopardizing national security. What is being said in those meetings inside the skiff that we don't want other people to hear or listen? You you cannot take in your watch. You cannot take in your phone. Mm -hmm. But here we have an individual who, Nancy Pelosi, this is the real question. When did Nancy Pelosi know of this? And why did he, he, why did she maintain him on the committee? Congress's chair worried about the foreign intervention into our country, knowingly keep an individual on the committee if he knew, as Swalwell says, that he was. Yeah, he listen. Kevin McCarthy's incensed, legitimately incensed. It's not a political advantage to have somebody on the intel committee. Nobody cares. You have a certain advantage of proportion, judging whether you have in the majority or minority and by how much. What I think is important to understand is, when confronted, he said the president was behind it. Axios was behind it. They investigated him for over a year. He ran for president. The president doesn't care about him. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. No one has done more to promote wrestling in America than Dan Gable. He's an athletic giant who conquered one of the most difficult and ancient sports in the world. He's the greatest wrestler probably ever. We've never had anybody like him. He's made our country very proud, and he is a true GOAT.
That's a little of the president's speech announcing the Medal of Freedom uh, going to uh, Dan Gable. He is uh, the recipient of the Medal of Freedom because of everything he did as a coach and as a wrestler. Like You could debate on and on whether Tom Brady is the best quarterback. He probably is. You could debate Michael Jordan, the best uh, basketball player, probably is. But there's nobody who understands wrestling that says there's anybody better than Dan Gable because he simply is the best. And it's my privilege to talk to him twice in one week. Dan, you and your family came in and took over the White House. Now that you're back home, how does it all feel? Hey, we're taking over our house. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it feels pretty good. And uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, good ink for the sport of wrestling. And, you know, when you're talking about the best wrestler and you're talking about the best coach, you know, when you put that in combination, that's that's for sure. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's always debatable. But when you start talking about individually, probably as an athlete, there's a lot of we've had a lot of great athletes. And so it's a good debate. You know, who was the uh, who has been the best one? I mean, we have somebody that. Uh, you know, that actually has a better record at that at, at the collegiate level than me. Because I lost my last match. And, uh, you know, we have a few of those guys like Kale Sanderson, uh, Yojo Yutaki. You know, those guys are undefeated. But, uh, you know, you put the two together over a, a 35-year period, I think that's where I, I win the award. Thanks. Has your – no kidding. Uh, so, Dan, first off, on the White House experience, going there, having your whole family there – you told us on TV, you told me on TV, you wanted to keep your emotions in check because you're an emotional guy. So you started thinking about things that would keep your emotions under wraps. Why did you not want to show emotion? I do, but I don't want to show any weakness. Uh, that's the kind of the way I've been teaching my athletes my whole life. And you can show that. Uh, but and, and sometimes I had to talk to my team afterwards. And I got in and I showed emotion, but I showed tough emotion. I didn't want to show them that there was a weak side of me at all, uh, even though, uh, you know, there is. And so they all left and then I'd, I'd ball. So, you know, it's one of these things that, uh, uh, you know, you got to kind of perform how you feel like you have to perform. But at the same time, I'm sure that they would like to see the human in me. And uh, they do. And but it's not as certain moments where you have to come through and and it's like getting ready to perform on the mat you know you have to do what you need to do to get ready for your best performance because you know when you're vulnerable right. and when you're not so uh you know you got to do what you have to do and at that particular time uh when i lost my one match in in, in college my last match uh, you know, I thought I could get away with both and still win but at that high level. But I never thought anybody out there would really want to, not want to, but really capable and get in the right frame of mind to beat me. But they are, and they're out there. That's what competition is. And so anytime you put your guard down, you're vulnerable. And the guy's name was Larry Owing. He beat you uh, in, in your very last match. You're 117 and one. You went on to bounce back big time. You said, then you learned to wrestle. Did you get a lot better after you got out of college? I, that minute I started getting better because I started analyzing what I had done in the last year. Went day, I, I always carry a day timer around with me, and I went day to day what I had done. And, yeah, I saw some flaws during that year before. But, but more than that, I really diagnosed myself. I went for help. I asked a couple of people that of, of high authority in wrestling, you know, where, where do you think that uh, what I need most? And, and you know, I, I needed some uh, skills. I actually needed some strategy. I needed some uh, uh, holds that, that you actually execute, 
you know, in, in high-level competition uh, more than I actually had. So, you know, I was a tough guy, you know, but toughness just isn't going to win. you got to have that ability to perform that skill that is so important that you're doing. And mine was wrestling. So, you know what I needed to do? I needed to lower my stance. And my stance is, like, it's going to determine my defense and my offense. And once I learned it, which took about six to nine weeks to even feel like I was changing and I lowered my stance six inches. I was like a new wrestler. I could get in better. Nobody could penetrate me. And, you know, I've been winning all these matches and I, you know, I pinned a lot of people, but it was more like, okay, we're going to the highest level of authority in wrestling and that's the Olympic games. And if you want to win there, if you want to beat the Russians, you want to beat the Iranians, cause that's two powerful countries in the world. then you got to do certain work in this area. And because of that, it, it made me a lot better. I got good then. I got yeah. really good. And I remember watching on the Wide World of Sports then. That's when we had to wait Saturdays and Sundays, uh, Saturdays, to see what was going on in the rest of the world before ESPN. And uh, I want to bring you back to this moment. The year was 1972, Munich Games. You win the goal without giving up a point. Here's the moment. Dan Gable could only lose the gold if he's disqualified or pinned. Half a minute short of a gold medal at 149 and a half pounds. Dan has kept his cool throughout the match. Ten seconds. Five seconds. And you will hear a crowd of Americans who have gathered here to watch this match tonight. And Dan Gable has won the gold medal at 149 and a half pounds. A regular decision for Dan Gable. Dan, what would that feel like? Well, you know what? I had learned how to finish a match. I mean, it was not a real tight match, but it was a match where if I had made a, a, a mistake or two towards the end there, and that strategy that I talked about that I had learned in the last two years made a big difference. And, and because of that, it was a, kind of a guaranteed gold medal there. But, but more than that, uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, things started happening in my life that what had happened earlier in my life, you know, like flashbacks. And when I stood on the uh, the award and uh, to get the gold medal, uh, you know, I, all of a sudden all these things went through my through my uh, mind. And I had a, a sister that had been actually murdered in in my house when I was a sophomore in high school. And you know, I'd been tipped off about her uh, through him, and I really never communicated. And you know, I've been a communicator a lot since then. But but it's all of a sudden she was there, and all of a sudden. You know, it kind of uh, all flashed back, and it was all good. And, uh, you know, from that point of view uh, in your life, uh, you kind of dedicate yourself to something, and that's what's important for people. And, and it was important for me to do some things to keep my family together because they weren't uh, on a road to uh, to making it because they blamed each other. But anyway. So, so she was no, killed was in your house at the age of 19. You have to go through, go to the Olympics in 1972 and do what you did, uh, knowing that when you came home, it was a fractured family that would never be the same. That that must be, you talk about mental toughness. That's another level. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, then all of a sudden it helped me in my coaching because now I, they had somebody to follow, you know, and, and when I left home, it was like the mom and dad, I'd never thought they would stay together, but they stayed together for another until they died together. So, you know, it was one of these things that uh, they realized that when I left that they really liked each other, but more than that, they still had that something to follow in life. 
and that was the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes at the time because I was a cyclone as a, as an athlete, but I kind of went 130 miles down uh, to the to the east and uh, coached those Hawkeyes to, to many national championships. So, 152 All Americans, uh, 45 national champions, 355 wins, 21 losses, five ties, and by your success being a national story, knowing what wrestling means to the Midwest. Uh, and, of course, what you did as a wrestler and a coach, it allowed them to have something to really focus on. And you said that that helped them stay together. That must have been a great feeling, but what a great responsibility. Well, it's just that I had a good upbringing uh, through my parents because they had to go for help, and they put me in the YMCA when I was really young. And I got a lot of, uh, for about seven, eight, nine years, I got a lot of help from a lot of good people uh, in competition and just being around a great uh, organization that, that helps people. So my parents were smart enough to know that uh, that uh, they they had something that uh, that uh, they could even go somewhere else and get help while they could still uh, – do well themselves so anyway i'm a you know i'm a wrestling promoter i love the sport uh, i don't know if you have any background in wrestling i don't know if you wrestled or not but did you well i i wrestled up until seventh grade but my whole all my well, best friends were the darties uh who are legends in massapequa long island and was a huge right. wrestling school we used to have burner and the baldwins were there against massapequa in yeah. our town and that used to be the two best teams i mean outside farmingdale in the state, and a lot of times they would go on to shine. But the, I, to me, wrestling was never a minor sport. To me, it was always treated almost like football, and certainly bigger than the sport I played, which was soccer. I played through college. Soccer was invisible. Wrestling was it. Well, you do you did come from a, a tremendous uh, uh, wrestling area, and we had a lot of them at, at, for the Hawkeyes that actually came through and did very well. But you know, the one and you know Bevilacqua one... too. You know the uh, Al Bevilacqua. Yeah. Of course, I know Al Bevilacqua, you know, and and uh, you know, and and uh, he, he was just on my um, text yesterday. So, uh, anyway, I we're always doing something uh, for for the sport. Right now, there's a, a movie called The Last Champion that people should view in, and they can go to Google. They can go to, uh, yeah. uh, you know, their wait, wait. There's a movie in, on in, your in life, out. right? There's a movie on your life coming no, out. Not, no, well, that one's not. That one's in the makings, maybe, but we're talking about a good, a good movie that is is coming out right now called The Last Champion, and I got a little part in it. But I think I, my only reason to have that part in it is because they wanted to straighten out the wrestling that was in the movie. It's not a wrestling movie; it's about a family, gotcha. and it's about about a guy. So it, it's really good, and I think it's needed at this time of, of the world. What's going on? But wrestling. Hey, Dan, I have a clip. Do you want to hear it? Let's, let's listen to a clip of the movie. Along with Olympic champions Dan Gable and Randy Lewis, I'm Jason Bryant. And Coach Gable, we got a big one today. 152, Scott Baker, Michael Miller, a lot on the line here. One of your former athletes in Iowa, come on over to say hi. How are you, Coach? It's been a long time. Great having you back. Pleasure to see you. John Wright, the last champion from Garfield High School. Coach, you see this a lot. Former teammates that know each other left and right. Hard to score in this situation sometimes. They both look great on their counteractions. <laughs> You're an actor. Well, I I only got called in to straighten out the wrestling, and that I did, uh, just because of the fact that it, they didn't really have good wrestling in there, and we want to represent our sport as much as possible. And so it's just a good movie right now that people can stay home and, and watch because you can't go really to the movie theaters. So 
it's one of those things. It's by Glenn Withrow and uh, in his family, they're all a part of it. So it's uh, it's doing really well. It just opened up like yesterday, the day before that. But it's it's going to enhance uh, you know a lot of kids, especially because wrestling is a very difficult sport to have right now with the the virus going on, and you know we need that. Uh, wrestling mentality to pin this virus down and to beat it. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, I think we're getting ready to administer a lot of vaccines out there. I don't think we're going to get rid of it unless we do that. But it's uh, the, the wrestling mentality where where you um, learn a lot of disciplines. And so right. that's kind of where we're at right now. And I think if people tune into that, they'll see and get some uh, uh, refreshing, refreshing attitude, which uh, people are staying home, but uh, – Get yourself tired before you you watch this yeah. because you don't because you know you need it's a two hour movie you need to relax and enjoy it and you can but if you're all uptight because you've been home all day you know do a little exercise okay. do something work hard and then you know then I think you'll be fine. You're still coaching us. Uh, you featured in the film is called <laughs> The Last Champion now available on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. And I think what I think is most impressive, you know, if you if you're in some of the bigger sports, you get rich. Uh, I, you had your success, but it didn't have to do with fame. It's old school sports. When we were, when I was growing up, the athletes weren't all rich. There was a, maybe one million dollar player. They had to have jobs in the off season. And with to be great in wrestling, it's the purity of the sport in which you did it. Yeah, you made a living and you did well, but you do it because of the competition. And to me, uh, what you did, Dan, is be the best in pure sports, one on one. You and another person on a mat. May the best man win. That, to me, is the purest form of sports, and I'm talking to the guy that was better than anybody else, and I'm so glad the president recognized that, and he obviously did, and he gave you that Medal of Freedom Award on Monday. Hey, no, that's great, and you you mentioned something that's unbelievable, is because when I wrestled in the Olympic Games, I had to pay $500, actually, to go to the Olympic Games to wrestle, and just because it was an amateur sport at that time in the United States, and the reason why I had to pay $500 is because I did this wrestling clinic, and all of a sudden, they paid me, that was a big amount of money back then, and well, a little bit of big amount of money, but all of a sudden, they I had to repay that just to be able to get in as an amateur. But you know, it's done me well, the sport, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 not like uh, I'm um, you know I'm getting multi-million dollar contracts. But you know, I'm getting some small movies, and and you know, maybe are, are this you know parts. But I'm not worried about that. It's a promotion. But maybe there will be a good movie that's coming out. Uh, we got a guy actually writing a script right now, and he's from New York, and uh, we'll see how that comes. And if it comes well, uh, you know, it, that'll be another big boost for the sport of amateur wrestling and and uh, whoever's involved in, in that right. likes good, healthy type of movies. Right, Dan, and we'll sure to have you on again. It gives me an excuse to talk to you. Thanks so much. Congratulations on everything. It's a, of everything you got, it was a special week, and I'm so glad your family from young to old was all there to experience it. Uh, thanks so much, Dan Gable. Okay, thank you, all 23, and I'm glad I found out you wrestled for a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't take you, though. Back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, real quick, just make sure you watch Fox and Friends tomorrow. We've got a, a huge show coming your way. And, of course, be back with us uh, uh, again 
as we finish out this week. Special thanks to uh, a great group. They called in before. They're just talking about the struggles of being in small business. And you know I've been behind it, and I think you've been uh, oppressed by these horrible political leaders. But the Sisters of Anarchy over in Vermont, they have did something that they're doing with the vaccine. They sent me ice cream, uh, all of us ice cream, in dry ice. Uh, so that's what they really are, the anarchies, uh, the Sisters of Anarchy. They got flavors like... Token mail. Token mail. Chocolate anarchy. Officer Bob's special, Snap. So, again, they're, they're trying to be able to mail ice cream around the country so they, they know you can't necessarily knock on the door and walk in. Well, Rachel called in what, last week, I guess, saying how they evolved due to COVID, right? It was more in-person things, and now they're mailing stuff out more. So they thought um, they're appreciative of the time, but they thought you'd like some ice cream. Yeah, they call the uh, Sisters of Anarchy Syrup Works to keep healthy. There's elderberry syrup. There's aronia berry syrup. You don't usually think of syrup and health. But we should. Compared to ice cream. Yeah. But, I mean, the, and, it, and I'm sure it tastes great. We just broke it out of dry ice. We found it in the building. It's not easy to do. It's not. If anyone knows you, they know how much you love to eat on the air. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but uh, look it up. They will deliver ice cream for you no matter where you are, especially if you're in Florida where we got a 1,000 stations, California and Texas where it's kind of hot. Here, it's a little bit cold for ice cream, but never too cold. But it stayed extra cold with the dry ice. Absolutely. Hey, make sure to, to listen to our show wherever you go at BrianKillmeShow.com. Go to BrianKillme.com if you want to get Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans, or George Washington's Secret Six. If you want to personalize and sent out, I got about a week left to be able to do it, so do it. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.